Welcome to That's Feminism Broad, where we are exploring diverse voices and modern female strengths. We're here to capture and reclaim the term feminism, because unlike Justice Stewart, I know it when I see it is not good enough for present-day women and the women who raised them. Join us to create a community of women who can support and empower each other as they go through all that life throws at them. We want to hear your story, and we want to use it to build strength, trust, and enthusiasm for our sisterhood. Dude, what's up, gals? Today we're going to chat about our value and our worth as women and how incredibly offensive and degrading it is to measure it in pay stubs. We women were meant to empower one another, regardless of what side of the aisle we sit on. But when feminism comes in and tells us that we have this freedom and this choice, why does it always get so frustrated when we make the choice that it doesn't want us to make? It's almost as if there is only one choice. If there's really only one right option, is it still freedom? Here's a, here's a little bit about my journey. But before that, I really don't like calling myself a stay-at-home mom. I do love to say that I am able to be at home with my children. I know it's a really subtle difference, but one is a label that everybody's put on me and the other is a choice that I've made. I just can't stand someone else putting boxes around me. And right now I feel like all everybody's doing is labeling he, she, they, black, white, rich, poor, liberal, conservative. And I'm definitely not homemaker. That's for damn sure. Um, I don't even really do much of the cooking, although I did kind of make my home in that I was literally laying flooring and doing siding and, and painting and building walls and all that stuff. Um, honestly, if it weren't for the stuff that my mom helped me pack up for college, I would not even know what an ironing board does or is. So homemaker doesn't quite fit me either. I don't think I make the home as much as I create, mold, teach, and regulate the people inside of it. I just don't know what the name of that job is. Um, I was in advertising when I got out of college, and I was in media planning, which is like uh, getting the budget and deciding whether we're going to put it in radio or billboards or buses or whatever. Um, back then, back then, online advertising was very minimal, but we did have some click-through things. Um and I loved it. I loved my job. And when I got pregnant with my first, I took an awesome attorney leave. My company was amazing. And then I went back to work part-time after um, he was three or three months old, whatever that time was. And I really enjoyed it. And I got pregnant with my second and took the same maternity leave and was getting ready to go back to work. And I called up my boss and I said, here's the thing. I'm pretty good as a mom and I'm pretty good as a media planner, but I can be great at one of those. And it's probably not going to be media planner. So he was super, super cool about it. And, um, and it just, I, I didn't like, I didn't like that. I couldn't really turn it off. It's not like it was a high edge, tough, really crazy, challenging job, but if something came up, I had to take the phone calls. I had to take the meetings. I had to get online. We had, you know, different coast times, and it just, I didn't like how I was constantly feeling like I was shirking it. And then I didn't like that when I wasn't shirking it, I felt like I was shirking this. There is no right or wrong answer to this because we are all unique individuals. And then we go on and we start mating with another unique individual. So now we've got two unique individuals that are trying to do what's best for this family unit. For me, that was to... um 
to stop working. So then of course I had this, these two kiddos and we were probably only, it's probably only four or five months in when I was like, mm, this isn't really getting it either. I didn't so much miss working because who misses working, but I missed, um, feeling like I missed feeling like I was using, utilizing all of my intelligence and I missed talking to adults. I was constantly roaming around Target, just chatting with the cashiers and we joined the stroller clubs and we joined the library groups and we joined all that stuff. But I just, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I was getting adult time in and I didn't feel like I was maximizing my potential. So I said to my husband, here's the situation in a perfect world. I would like, um, a job that I can just show up to and be all in for just a couple hours and love it. and love the people that I work with and then walk away and punch out and not think about it again until I show up again. If you guys are looking for that job, I know it sounds like it doesn't exist. It does. It's fitness instructor. It's awesome. You get in, you get your workout, you have fun, you, you meet great groups of people, you have a lot in common with them, um, and then you leave, and then you get to be all in for mom, and there's no like, oh, I might have to take this call at 10 o'clock at night, and I have to formulate this email. So for me, that was a perfect fit. That's not everybody's perfect fit, but that was my perfect fit. Um, anyway, the new Cinderella's out. Okay. Can we please, first of all, stop making remakes and just start writing original stories. I'm sick of saying the new this is out. Like, let's come up with something that isn't already a comic book or wasn't already a movie four or five different times. But second of all, um, not only are our kids kind of seeing just a different version of what they, of what we grew up with, they're sort of seeing a watered down lesser version of what we grew up with. Maybe even a corrupted version. If you ever get into Mike Rowe, I'm a big Mike Rowe, the way I heard it fan, but he did this, um, he did this podcast called Hans Shot First. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I did not know what that reference meant, but he was talking about how there's one scene in one of the movies, I don't even know which one, where um, Hans shoots a bad guy. I don't know what their names are, but um, the scene has been redone four or five times since the movie came out and re-aired with this new version because in the original scene, Hans shot first. And then they felt like that might come off as too aggressive a couple of years later. So then they had both guys fire their weapons at the same time. And then that still seemed a little bit too edgy. So then they changed it again so that the first guy says a threatening thing and then they both fire at the same time. So they kept re-altering just this one little scene because they didn't want Hans. They wanted him to be the clear hero all the time, this Han Solo. And like that's sort of what is happening so much right now. We keep retelling history with just these slight alterations so that it sounds a little bit better so that it's not so offensive. It's driving me nuts. And we're doing it with Cinderella. So here is uh, the background of Cinderella. First and foremost, please understand that when it comes to selling merchandise, they are not going to change the narrative. They want to sell as many dolls, nightgowns, backpacks, Barbies, dresses as they possibly can. So she's going to be beautiful and she's going to be feminine for that purpose and that purpose only when it benefits those that are selling. Then when it doesn't, that's when they start to change the narrative. The story is about a girl who starts her own fashion line, falls in love with a prince. He invites her into his life. I don't know how that looks, whether he invites her to live with her because what, this is modern America or whether he invites her, whether he proposes to her. I don't really know. 
But uh, she's in love. That's There's going to be at least four or five songs about her being in love. Um, but she says to him, but what about my business? The fairy godmother's not using the term godmother. It's actually a homosexual male called the Fab G. And he is the only good male in the movie. I don't know if he identifies as a male, but he's a male and he's the only good one. The rest of the men in the story, they're either idiots or brutes. The king is sort of this pushover guy and the queen's the one that makes all the rules and rags around the house. The prince is sort of this soft character and the princess, his sister, is the one that runs policy making and sort of runs the kingdom. So there's no great men in this story anyways. Um... I mean, I get that they are, like, I get that she's not interested in this guy. I can, on the one hand, totally understand that she doesn't want to join up with this soft loser of a guy who's bumbling full. And good on her if she's in an unhappy relationship, that she sees that and walks away. But she's singing about love. So is it love? Was she unhappy? If she chooses to walk away from love for work, then I get a little confused as to what, what does it what is it that she loves? You know, dressmaking or the guy? Can she have both? Maybe she can have both. They don't really tell that part of the story. Um, I get it. I was in love. I was an absolute head over heels love. Real love. You know, when I was in like ninth grade. <laughs> and then I got into a newer, better real love when I was in like 11th grade. I would say that I fell in deeper, pure love every time until I actually met a guy that just knocked me up, knocked my socks off. So um, it's possible that Cinderella thought she was in love or it's possible that this was a watered down thing. I don't, I don't know the whole story. It's tough to get from the trailer and I'm definitely not going to pay to watch it. I'm not asking her to give up her life, but if it was love, why don't they talk about compromise? Why didn't they talk about the lesson about equality or is it just about me, 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 me? Because there's a big difference right now. And it's like only we're ever talking about the me, me, me society. Um, and this is this is timely for right now because it comes up frequently for us. Here's another one. Why is he so pathetic? Why are all these princes so pathetic? Why are we exposing women to such weak men? Of course, they're not going to find this appealing. It's always a loser. It's always a bumbling idiot. She always wants to clean up the guy's mess. All the sitcoms have the mom carrying the team and the dad's just a fool. This is everywhere right now. So I can see where women would think, well, I don't want that guy, but that's not the only guy out there. But if that's the only guy we're portraying, then that's the only way we're going to think to raise our sons. And then all of a sudden, this is the self-fulfilling prophecy. I would like equality, which means I want the absolute best that you have with the absolute best that I have. So give me your best version of a man. Of course, she turned down the tool, but I'd like to imagine if the story continues, she goes and she finds a stud and she realizes that she can absolutely crush her design line and give herself fully to this guy and make him the best version of himself so he can go out and crush his life and he can surrender over to her so he can keep her growing. And then they have incredible kids where they both teach him the value of hard work, sacrifice, something bigger than them, true love, beauty of creating one unique thing from two completely different people. But... I have a feeling all that's left on the Hollywood cutting floor. They just keep showing women weak, pathetic, stupid men, and they act like that's all there is. And they're either going to avoid them altogether, or they're going to accept them, tolerate them, maybe breed them, and eventually start to raise them. So it really does become that circle. Here's an interesting, albeit slightly off-topic fact. 
women on the pill prefer less masculine men. If you want to look up one study is in the Atlantic, that's sort of the abridged version, or you can dive a little bit deeper um, to, let's see, the live science study. So they took women um, not on the pill, and they gave them this, this computer program where they could alter the look of a guy to create the perfect man. They get to move his jawline in and out, create a bigger and smaller forehead, adjust his eyes, and consistently they were creating these masculine strong men. Then they give them three months. They let them choose whether or not they want to start a contraceptive and they bring them back in. And those that did not choose the pill were continuing to draw these strong men. And those that did started to soften the lines um, and make him look a little bit more, they call it, effeminate. Here, here goes some stats. 46% of women 14 to 19 are using some form of contraceptive. 46% of women, 14 to 49, are using some form of contraceptive. 29% of women, 15 to 19, use contraceptives. Now, I don't know whether that 29% is all the pill or, or what those numbers exactly transfer to as far as the pill. But let's say you have a group of teenage girls and they're on the pill. Highly likely considering society today. Okay, so now let's say those women are starting to be attracted to soft-looking men. You have this strong masculine son, but he's noticing that the girls are always going to the effeminate-looking guys. Why is that? Probably because of the pill that they're on. So then your strong masculine son asks to get his ear pierced, and he grows out his man bun, and he starts to wear more jewelry and maybe do his eyebrows because he can't really change his jawline. So he's doing what he can because he's noticing that he's not getting the girl. And then these women go on and they marry these guys, but then they want to get pregnant. So they take themselves off of the pill. Now here's where the study gets really interesting because the divorce rate skyrockets when women get off of the pill. Maybe because they get off of the pill and they see this guy and he doesn't look like he can handle it like a good man. So they go looking for another man. He wants, so your kid wants to be masculine but he also wants to be effeminate and so now your daughter is finding herself attracted to maybe the the more effeminate guys or the more masculine guys depending on whether or not you have her on the pill and this cycle does it does continue on anyway that kind of segues into segues into my guest last week if you haven't listened to it throw it on after this one uh it's about a woman running for school board and her experience is being questioned this is worth noting because she's a supportive military spouse, which means relocation is super common, as is deployment. So her choice to be at home with her children is beneficial to the whole family unit. When he's overseas for months at a time or when they're relocating, it's a little bit easier to really focus on the kids and help them with that adjustment. So she is a stay-at-home mom. She has more children in the school system than any other candidate or current member of our school board. She has two children with two different special needs. And because she's able to be at home with her children all the time, she has been to more school functions. She's volunteered more within the schools. She's helped with more homework. She's picked up more kids. She's dropped off more kids. And she's seen the ups and downs of their education more closely than someone who's forced to split their time between work and home. Frankly, she could not be more qualified for this particular role. But this isn't really about her. It's kind of about all of us. All of us should be free to choose how we want to live our lives. We can choose to have a family and we can choose to partake 
in work. We can choose to raise our family by ourselves or with our village. We can divide, we can choose how we divide our time and with whom we want to partake in this journey. You are no more or less than the woman next to you because of your income level and because of the choices you make. As long as we're all living up to our fullest and most complete com potential, that's all we need to be doing. For me, that means I make only about 20 bucks an hour teaching a fitness class, but I make nothing when I'm trying to teach my nine-year-old that the bunny must be fed whether he feels like it or not. I make nothing, but I do teach him that's responsibility. I make nothing to help stop the nightmares in the middle of the night for my daughter, but I do teach her that that's selfishness, selflessness. I make nothing by getting number two to chess club and lacrosse practice consistently, even on the days that he wants to skip it and just play out back. But I'm teaching accountability. By re reworking the math problems with number one over and over until we can find every angle of a triangle, whether it's obtuse, acute, or isosceles, I'm not earning any money, but I am teaching determination. The resume may have a 13-year gap, but the lessons I'm learning, the leadership role I'm engaged in, it's profound. And my work experience and my life experience is something to be proud of and honor. And that's because of a choice I made. Now, you're free to make that choice or a very different one. That's the choices you make. Let's look for a second at the women of Afghanistan. Those under the age of 20 have never experienced Taliban rule or the challenge women face. And perhaps, even like most teens, they roll their eyes every time their moms start talking about life under Taliban rule. Maybe they're even a little bit embarrassed by the ineptitude of the older women in their life. But here is their new reality. Some schools have already shut down or eliminated female students from attending. Others have put curtains up, asked women to stay in segregated areas, and minimized class, class options. And then they're only allowed to have female teachers. But that's now. That's a month into Taliban rule. Wait till the cameras are turned off. Wait till we turn away. And then let's see what's happening to women. Already, they have eliminated female sports. All of them. Every female sport is now gone. The world's watching right now. In a moment, they won't. They've eradicated some women from their jobs and eradicated some jobs for women. On 9-11, um, I read the transcript of the 911 call that Beeman made while he was in the airplane of United Flight 93. He didn't start crying and ask the dispatcher to reach out to his boss and say goodbye. No, he talked about his wife. He talked about his children. He told this stranger about the last sonogram he got to see. When he was summing up his final words and his final thoughts, he was talking about a sonogram of a child he had never met yet. He never mentioned money. He never mentioned his status. He just mentioned his family. That was the only thing he spoke about. He didn't need the world to know he was about to become a hero. What he needed were his sons to know that he was proud of them and his wife to know that he loved her. So that's feminism, guys. That's it. That's what we should be fighting for. That's what we should be working for. Our freedom of choice and then respect for the choices that we make and honor in our choices no matter what they are as long as we believe that we are living them to our fullest. Anyway, um, that's all for today. I am starting to get some feedback, some questions and ideas. I really love to create an episode where we answer those questions or touch on some of the subjects that you've suggested. In other words, I hear you and I'm here for you. A few people have thrown a humble brag in. So if you want to do that, 
Feel free to share your own story or a story of a woman you know who deserves a little credit for the way they faced adversity or overcame something with fierce femininity. I got to figure out what we do, how we do hashtags and all of that, but I'll look into it. In the meantime, you can hit me up on Instagram, at Gmail, or on Facebook, and, um, and I'll try to get something together. Anyways, that's it. That's feminism, bro. Thanks for joining us today. Please like, share, and review. You can find me on Instagram and at That's Feminism Bro or via Facebook through Bridget Van Musker. You're always welcome to shoot me an email at thatsfeminismbro at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer any questions or concerns you may have. Music is by Pixabay and artwork is by KBB.